Welcome to the Better Men, Better Ball Player podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us here this today as we dive into episode number 28. Fortunate enough to have 28 episodes, and today we're going to talk to Jimmy Mullins, Coach James Mullins from Glenville State College in Glenville, West Virginia. Coach Mullins is entering his eighth season as the skipper, head coach, Glenville State, where they start, where he started the program. In 2015, he became the Mountain East Coach Conference Coach of the Year. In his eight years that he's been there, he's coached 10 all-conference players. Before his time at Glenville, he was assistant under legendary coach Cal Bailey at West Virginia State. And West Virginia State is also where he was a player under Cal Bailey. Before he, that time he's also spent time at Salem Community College and Davis and Elkins College as a coach. And just, uh, just knowing some players and people, we have some mutual friendships, and just learning how much he's willing to grow, how much he's willing to learn, and just how much, through our conversation, what we found out is how much he really, truly loves the mental side of the game and how he's trying to develop his players mentally, not only physically. And that really comes a lot from his background in the counseling and his passion with that. And you hear a lot of technical talk coming through uh, as he is also breaking the mental side of the game down with his players and it's something we talk about in the in the podcast in the call it's a really great call we go over multiple of things but we really dove into a lot of the the mental side of stuff and he goes through the a through e his approach of how he's attacking his irrational beliefs and attacking and your irrational beliefs of when bad things happen to you and how we uh have irrational thoughts of how we're never going to be able to do things. And um, and now he kind of helps his players through those irrational thoughts from an A through E standpoint. A from activating the event, um, the what's happening, the bad circumstance happening. B from the belief system, your perception of what's happening, your perception of the event, through your consequence with the C, what's happening. And then D, disputing those beliefs, where you, are you, um, why does everything have to go right for you? Are you that bad of a player? Does everything have to go back? So you're disputing those beliefs. And then E, executing on your new belief system, your positive soul talk and things like that. So went through a great process uh, from then to just talk about, you know, his lessons learned with Cal Belly, such as, you know, all the relationship-driven things that he, um, Cal was known for, how he took care of his players, and how Jimmy then is leading that into his program and trying to start that at Glenville, making sure that he's as aware of those things and, is on them. I loved all this competition. We talked a lot of about competition uh, and what they're doing uh, in their program at Glenville. And, uh, you know, couldn't thank Coach Mullins enough. I appreciate it. And um, I think you're going to enjoy this one. It was a lot of good things that I believe is good content that you could take away. And if you want to reach out to him, he, um, I'm sure he'll be glad to talk to you. So hope you uh, enjoy this podcast with Head coach of Glenville State College, Coach James Mullins.
So the cool thing is, is uh, being able to play uh, for Cal and yeah. then coach, coach with him. It's kind of was like, you know, two different sides of, of the relationship there because we got to be um, close friends, you know, especially after I took the job at Glenville. And, you know, instead of talking baseball time, it was, you know, how to grow the garden or how to, you know, take care of the, the house and the time management and things like that. But um, of all the stories out there that are funny and, and this and that, what really took away from him was, uh, you know, not, not all the stories that you hear, but you know, just the relationships he had with guys. And I know that it's kind of turns into a buzzword sometimes, the relationships and things like that. But uh, he really knew how to read all of his players and, and knew their backgrounds. Uh, he knew what their daily needs were. You know, he was just really good at that. And uh, all of us never wanted to let him down. That's the thing. So anytime I'm, I'm evaluating things, how things are going here, um, I'm just looking around and wondering, like, do these guys care if they let me down or not? And it's not about me, but that relationship that we built, you know, I, I would love to one day be able to build that with with our players as well. But uh, he just knew he knew the backgrounds of guys. He knew that, uh, you know, what they needed on a daily basis. We didn't want to let him down. He was like a father to all of us. Mm-hmm. So and that, that was really good. And um, the Baseball side, he just was an, a continuous learner all the time. And uh, he'd always have books on the bus. He was always reading and then asking questions, passing it around, highlighting, writing notes. Um, so that was something that I really took to is, you know, just being a continuous learner. Mm-hmm. Like, would you, when you say like learning, like his relationships with kids, was it just like open dialogues all the time? Would he be intentional about bringing people into the office? Like, how did he, how do you see that he was building those relationships? Yeah. So, and he always talked about, uh, you know, keeping it positive to the group and then keeping the negative kind of one-on-one, um, and, <laughs> you know, through some of the stories and the funny stories and stuff, you know, sometimes it seems like, um, that wasn't always the case, but, uh, he, uh, he kept the negatives in the office one-on-one a lot of times around the batting cage, he would sit around the batting cage and that's when he would connect with guys and it might not even be about their BP round, but it'd be about what's going on in the classroom, what's going on at home. And uh, for some reason, that was just his niche and, and how he connected with guys one-on-one. But uh, the positives and the motivation was to the team. And then when he needed to handle things on the side, he did that on the side. He never really embarrassed guys to where, you know, they weren't afraid to make mistakes. They knew that uh, he would catch them one-on-one. And I think that's a, a, a huge lesson that uh, I've taken with me as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a, that's really good. You know, it's almost like a whisper criticism. You know, praise your positives. You know, praise what you want crazy encouragement, you know, so that's, that's pretty awesome, you know, and especially you don't see that. Cause I knew Cal, like people would say that Cal's a really old school guy, like, almost an old, like, and that's just very unique, you know, for him. Cause I, he was, he was such a, like an old school presence, you know, like I know him and um, it, it's just, that's so unique to hear from that, that kind of guy. And that's just, that's, is that kind of how he always was? Like, is that something that might've changed? Do you know? I'm not, you know, that's all probably, you know, it's all again, different. Yeah. But again, like the stories and like, you know, if you didn't hustle and you did certain things like that, of course, he's going to call you out in front of everybody. Um, But as far as things like maybe in your personal life classes, um, you know, you mess up off the field, behavioral changes like that, you know, it was always behind the scenes. It was always one-on-one. And again, it made you want to not let him down off the field because Uh if you messed up off the field and, and he respected you enough to pull you in and tell you that he cares about you and let you know that, you know, here's how we need to improve you just wanted to go improve and you wanted to go do that. Yeah. So, you know, you never pushed anybody 
stay away as far as calling them out in front of the group for for things off the field like that. But uh, obviously, you know, hustling and not doing what's asked on the field, that's a whole different scenario. Oh, for sure, for sure. So what kind of things then? So like you said, you're, you're trying to take those kind of lessons into in Glenville. So like those kind of things that you're taking into kind of building your culture and, you know, just kind of building these relationships with kids. Yeah, for sure. And uh, one thing that I don't have that Cal had is he was, he was what, like six, three, big, huge guy, <laughs> you know, intimidating presence. I mean, I'm not walking on the field and intimidating too many people. So, um, so I got to build relationships. I mean, everybody does and everybody talks about that, but uh, I really do try to connect with them first, um, build the relationship and it's taken time. Um, you know, when I first got the job here, uh, another guy I coached, um, you know, played for Lawrence Nessel wrote, he was the assistant coach at uh, West Virginia state when I played there. And uh, he said, here's the only advice I have for you is jump on the horse and just learn how to ride as you go. And that's, you know, his lesson when I got the job here and it's a, it's always a learning experience, but seven, eight years here now, you know, some of the guys I've built great relationships with, and I can see that when I come and talk to them about certain things, they really want to make a change and they really want to do better. And uh, that's just laying the groundwork for, for where we're going in the future. But uh, definitely how to treat players and how to care about them. And uh, that all came from Cal because he was number one in that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So like, and um, just, just think about some of those things, like as you're talking about those changes that you're trying to make, like, um, what have you seen, what have you seen like the biggest changes that some of your guys have to make? Have you seen like consistent changes that maybe they're not really doing well or like maybe changes that they're having to make to play at the college level, at your level? Like, what are you consistently seeing? Well, as we've, so we just started the program here uh, in 2012. Um, so the type of recruits that we're getting now are a lot different than the recruits we got in 2012. So True. as we build the program up, the needs are a little bit different. So when I first got here, uh, my promise to the guys was I'm going to give them a college baseball experience. It really didn't matter. We couldn't control all the wins that we're going to have because of our talent level. And it just is what it was, but we were going to give them a great experience. We're going to make them serve in the community. We're going to do all the things that um, the top 25 teams in the country are going to do. Uh, so now as we start to build the, the program and we have better players start to come in now, of course, the needs are going to change. So now we've got guys that maybe were the best players on their travel ball team. So now we have to change gears a little bit to where once you get here, you have to start caring about each other instead of caring about yourself. And that really lays the groundwork for everything that we're doing is it's not about you anymore. And it sounds tough, but uh, we're going to give you all the effort as a coaching staff. We're going to give you all the opportunities to grow and get better as a player. But what we require from you is to just care about the other guys at your position and care about the other guys on our team. And uh, that's going to raise all our boats up. Mm. Boats. So are we talking about boat crews? That's something that you're going to be something you guys put in, put in. You know, I thought about doing that, uh, the boat crew thing and I kick it around and I love some of the positives and I love, but we try to keep it where we're all a crew. And that doesn't mean uh, it's wrong to do it the other way because I do, I really do like that. Um, but what do you think? Uh, have you tried that? What, what's uh, your, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, just the competition of it, you know, especially like, you know, just have your regular, uh, like weightlifting stuff, you know what I mean? And that could get, it's just a way to, you know, if your boat crew, like at the end of the day or just flat off, like, Hey man, we're going to compete, get your boat crews. We're going to do, you know, med ball tosses and da da da. you know, like it could just be a competition for that day. Or like, we're going to say in your boat crews, like we're going to take what your, you know, your three rep max, your three rep max was, you know, and the, the best boat crew wins today. Uh, 
So it was just kind of easy ways to kind of kind of that, and it also kept them accountable. Just to, we're just right from the get go. We always competed with boat crews attendance. In high school, you ha- it's different with high school. That high school, especially six a.m. lifting, it was just different. Um, so that was one way that we got kids. Um, you know, what I mean, so I mean, I, I like it for that. Uh, but I love what you're saying. So like, then the next step was you had your boat crews, but we were always purple and gold. So then okay. we, that was kind of the crew. That was kind of the boat. I like what you're saying too. You know, I think you definitely have to do things too as a, as a whole. Um, you know, I mean, so I think, the, but for, for me, it was always, how can we always influx as much competition? Uh, it really made a huge difference in the off season uh, than what you're right, what you're really trying to do, especially bringing all these cats from different directions. They do have to get on one boat, you know? And mm, so yeah. it's very, it's very, it's, you know, it's, like I said, I think it's depending on what you need and if that's what you need, then that's, that's what you got to, you know, you gotta, you gotta talk about. It. I mean, I know Vanderbilt, you know, you just saw what they're doing. Like, you know, they, they don't, they don't get Vanderbilt on them until yeah. they're crew until they're part of the team. And then you get to be part of that, you know, you earn, yeah, I love that. you know what I mean? So I think like what you're saying is that's what your need is. And then for me, it was like, okay, how can I make this weightlifting 6am, like make it more competitive, make it more energy, energetic, get guys there. Well, we're going to put them in crews and just say, all right, we're going to put these seniors or these like really, you know, captains we'll say, um, and just hold them accountable and say, look, you're going to lose points <laughs> or like yeah. you're going to win certain things. Should I'll buy your breakfast, you know, get your donuts yeah. every once a week or something like that, or some protein shakes or whatever we did once a week for the team with the, with the Boku with the most points that week. I love it. That's Competition's all. always good. Of course. It is. man. And- now with COVID, really, I mean, we have to do such such small groups at certain yeah. times, you know, and with our contact tracing, we have to keep them the same groups together. We're almost creating our own boat crews now. Yeah. So, you know, and so I guess but your, what's tough with your crews, I'm sure do your crews, I mean, if you had to do that, they would be probably position specific, probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess within those, you could have a boat crew uh, or just like, hey, you're competing for your boat crew today. You for know, your boat like. Crew. You know what I mean? We're like, yeah. if, hey, just let when the pitchers come, they're letting you know, like, hey, boat crew number two is in the lead. You know, they've got this, these guys, infielders killed it. This guy was there. Yeah. You know, however I you want it. to do it. But like I said, I think it's just depending on what you need, you know, and if that's the biggest need for you to guys get on one crew, then that's, that's what you need to do. Yeah. You know? But yeah, I mean, threatening COVID, you know, especially if it's smaller groups, then yeah, if you need to compete and get more out of your guys and, we have some fun or like, you know, the things that you want to, the things that you kind of want to, uh, value, then mm-hmm. find some, you know, it just kind of depends on what you need. Yeah. Our um, guys are super competitive, which I really love. I mean, we, awesome. all the, all the hitting games and stuff that we do or, or defensive games, if, if we got a stopwatch on or the scoreboard on or some kind of point system, I mean, our guys go nuts and I mm-hmm. love that. It makes it a lot of fun. And if I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling like we're not real competitive that day. Even if I throw something on, I might just start whispering a little trash talking to these guys and say, Hey, you know, this guy over here said that, you know, this and that, and all of a sudden here we go. I mean, they're ultra competitive and I don't think that it's anything special that we've done as a coaching staff, any different than anyone else. I just think that the mixture of guys we have right now, for some reason, they just like to get in here and compete. And I think that's something that will continue to get passed on by them, not necessarily me, but as we bring in the recruits and, and young guys, they're going to say, hey, this program competes with each other every single day, and that's what we have to do. So they've kind of built that 
And that's kind of just what our niche started to be because of them. And I think that we just need to continue to do that. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that's something that you guys value. You guys value competition. It sounds like with all the games and things that you're doing. So that's something that you look for in a recruit. And that's something that you guys believe in as a program. Yes, absolutely. I'd say that's our number one thing is, is being able to compete no matter what it is. Um, we, we have, we have facilities here, but we have so many resources that way we can, we can compete in the cages. We can compete on the field. We can compete on the weight room. Uh, we actually have acres and acres of hunting land right on our campus. And we've got wow. uh, something kind of, kind of different, but, uh, We've got a bunch of hunters on our team, and uh, we compete on how many squirrels we're killing. Uh, we compete on the biggest deer. We compete on everything, and uh, and I like that. You know, it, it uh, just just breeds competition, and it's good for our guys. Absolutely, and absolutely, I love that. I mean, and it's also like when it comes down to it, it's also being able to handle that competition. You know, and yeah, and then, you know, so it's so. What are you? Do, is there anything that that you that you like stands out to you when you're looking for a guys, you know, like you said, you were just in Salisbury and Richmond, um, you know, or any about your time you're recruiting, does, does, is there something about competition that sticks out to you when you're looking for a guy? Sure. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, everybody likes the dirt bags and everybody likes the guys that play fast and, and the tools and the skills. Of course we look for that, but, uh, you know, in the dugout, are they, uh, are they talking to other guys? Are they talking about baseball? Um, are they having fun? We like, we love guys that have fun because, you know, we have, we have a lot of fun in our program and um, our guys, one little piece of adversity, are, are they shut down? Are they done for the day? Are they excuse makers? You know, we want to know all those things and, and everybody's not going to be perfect. Uh, we don't expect them to be, but uh, you know, we want to know that they have a desire to get better and grow. And a lot of times, as soon as you have that first conversation, you know, we'll know there's indicators of who they were blaming or were they blaming themselves or was it just a bad day or was it a great day? And just having, being able to conversate about baseball, being able to be, uh, have good relationships with each other through conversation, all those things we're looking for. And, and we can find out as soon as we see you and as soon as we start talking to you. Good. Good. So they're getting back to think about like all the things you like to do. So what are some of the, like the, like, let's say the best things you like to do in the cage for, to create competition. So, Basically, we count barrels all the time. We're always going to count barrels. And I like to get in and spin curveballs and change-ups and, and throw fastballs and, and run my big mouth and try to get somebody on tilt and try to take them out of their game and um, try to make it as hard as possible in the batting cage. Now, obviously, some days, you know, we just need to work on, you know, easy batting practice and, and hitting barrels and seeing what the results are, being comfortable. And other days we have to turn the heat up, but it just depends on that time of year, obviously, and, and what the needs are for the individual player. But we always want to try to create some type of adversity. And we talk a lot about attacking our irrational beliefs. Um, rational emotive behavioral therapy is something that we talk about in, in my counseling background in grad school. That was the number one topic that I always used. And basically what that is, is we'll have whiteboard talks with our guys about this. And from the mental side, it's just attacking our irrational beliefs. And what that means is when an action happens, it could be a say an umpire making a bad call and, you know, strike three on a bad call. Our irrational belief is going to say, because we're humans, that there's no way I can succeed in this atmosphere with the umpire making calls like this. So then we have to basically attack that irrational belief because there's no way we're going to succeed if we're telling ourselves we can't succeed in this environment, right? So when we attack that irrational belief, is this applicable in real world? Is everything going to be perfect for me? 
does everything have to be perfect for me to succeed? Am I that bad of a player that everything has to go my way for me to win or for me to succeed? And we can create that on the whiteboard and talk about that. But if we're not applying it every single day, that we're not really going to, we're not really going to learn it. So I'm going to try to create that adversity in practice, frustrate them, make them mad. They're not going to understand why. And then we come to them either as a group or one-on-one and say, listen, are you that bad of a player that you need everything to go right for you to win? Or do you need to make the excuses? And that's just one basic example. But as we talk about that and feed that every single day, hopefully as they grow, um, we can be in any environment and think that we can succeed. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. So, and that's kind of a long-winded answer to, to creating that adversity in the cages. But uh, if, even if we're doing a little bit of a day where it's just easy batting practice, uh, we're going to finish off with some kind of adversity, whether it's uh, just simply velo on the machine uh, and half of the lights out in the indoor facility. So it's kind of hard to see and the, and the balls are kind of dirty. Um, we want to test those and see who's making the excuses and who's not. And then mm-hmm. we know who we have to connect with one-on-one and we know who might need to come in the office. And it's not a, uh, it's not like a butt chewing session, but it's like, Hey man, like, listen, we know that it's hard. That's why we did that for you. But how can we get better? How can we improve? How can we really try to solve the issue? Yeah. Like what you were saying is how, you know, in, in putting them in a real life situation, you know, and how they can be successful there. And also even how that, how is that going to be relatable to the game? you know, in a situation, you know, and how you can relate yourself there. So, yeah, that's cool. I never heard it like that, attacking our irrational beliefs. And that's typically you want to, when you are, something bad happens to you, you're, you're saying you're not able to get out of that. Correct. Our irrational beliefs are, I mean, we're, we're humans. We're irrational. We're, we're always going to be irrational um, by habit. So I know you mentioned Brian Kane and, and some of your other podcasts, which, which I love. And he talks yeah. about, uh, when your feet hit the floor, a lot of times in the morning, a lot of times we're negative. We, we have negative thoughts, whether it's, oh man, I really don't feel like getting up right now, or I don't feel like going to the weight room. And he talks about uh, marketing to your brain through whether it's a dry, um, dry erase marker on the, on the mirror in your bathroom, giving you positive thoughts, mm-hmm. or just marketing positivity. And what that is doing is attacking irrational beliefs and changing your beliefs. So acting your way into feeling like he talks about too. Mm-hmm. So when you're disputing your beliefs, it's, does my belief really fit into the real world? So is it really going to help me and help my performance to think that I always have to succeed or I have to throw a strike right here? I have to do this. It's, it's, it's win or die. It's life or death. All of those are irrational beliefs. I have to throw a strike right here because then the hitter is going to be 2-0 and I'm holding up a billboard saying I'm coming with a fast ball he's going to hit it 400 feet we're going to lose everybody's going to be mad at me these are all irrational beliefs so we have to attack that and that way we can get back to the to the one pitch at a time and what you can control and all those things so Mm -hmm. when you write it all on the whiteboard it kind of just breaks down as far as you know the a is is your activating event or the adversity the b is your irrational belief system c is the consequence of that irrational belief so um, it could be anger toward teammates it could be just giving up it could be any of those things and then d is you're disputing those beliefs and and it it really does help when you break it down that way because it makes a hard process um easier to understand and and easier to get better with yeah this is great man let's do let's do let's do the abc again abcd a is the activating event 
Like sure. I guess a, what the, a, the, the stimulus or like what happens, right? Yeah. So a, a is the activating event and it could be stuck in a traffic jam. It could be in a right. long line at the grocery store. It could be a flat tire. Um, it could be the pitcher bouncing one and the umpire calling strike three. So that's the adversity. It could be the rain. Um, could be anything like that. The the B is going to be how you perceive that. So the belief system. So every time that I get up, the, every time I get a pinch hit opportunity to, to prove myself, it seems like I'm getting a strike strike call that's in the other batter's box. Mm-hmm. So I can't succeed. I can't show my coach what I can do. Mm-hmm. And we've all been in a pinch hit role where you go up there and just feel like, man, nothing's going right for me. So then the consequence to that is frustration. You're bringing that back into practice the next day. You're not practicing at full intent. Um, you may be treating your teammates wrong. Maybe the guy at the same position wrong. So you got to dispute those beliefs. Do I have to always have everything go right for me? Does everyone always have to treat me fairly? So once you start disputing those and realize it's just not real life for everything to always go my way, I have to still find a way to succeed somehow. So once you dispute that, that's your D. And then E would be executing a new plan and a new way of thinking that's going to change my habit. So A, activating event. B will be the belief system, the irrational belief. C is the consequence of my irrational belief. D is the process where it's hard because you got to attack yourself. D is attacking and disputing your beliefs. E is executing the new way of thinking that's going to help me better succeed. Awesome. Awesome. And that can relate to so much. And I'll relate it to funny stories or something in, in my own personal life and they laugh and, you know, but then how does that relate to baseball? And there's just so many different ways that it can relate to baseball. Um, and I think it's starting to get, I did all my articles in grad school about REBT therapy and uh, just relating it to baseball, man. It just seems for our guys, it just seems to work. Yeah, that for sure. I mean, uh, I mean, are now are, are you getting, so I guess my thing is like, I guess I always come back to like the concrete things that that guys can do to do these things is like, so as you're like uh, even executing the new belief is almost like, is that part of like what you would call maybe a release routine or like a reset yeah. routine, like Absolutely. where <clears throat> you have that in, in the at bat you start getting flustered where now you have to have a reset routine. Uh, that's what Hannah Houston said. Like, I thought that was really cool reset or like, like Brian King calls it a release routine. Mm-hmm. And then, so you're disputing that at that time. And then to Brian, try and execute a new belief. So is that kind of like your language there? Is that how you're teaching it within that? Like uh, maybe like a cage session or BP like, Hey man, you now need to go. I, I, I don't know. I guess you, what your language would be, but to go, to, is that part of all that? Like yeah. That, that. So, so then we can break it down, you know, get dig deeper into it. So like our pitchers do the shadow pens, yeah. things like that. And I'll script out the bullpen for it. So, um, and we'll talk about it one-on-one with the pitchers, like what you want your release to be or your process. Okay. Um, but we'll say, okay, you threw strike one middle, middle, and the umpire called it a ball. And we're going to simulate the fact that now you're, you're off task with your thinking because now you're, you're frustrated and you're mad. We have to get into our, our release, maybe getting off the mound, maybe walking around, belly breath, things like that. And basically, you're just disputing the fact that, hey, everything doesn't have to go my way for me to get this hitter out. That one pitch did not go my way, but 
how many times do we see it all the time where one pitch and, and all of a sudden the whole at-bat's messed up, whether it's offensively or as a pitcher. So disputing the fact that we don't have to have everything go my way for me to still succeed. And it's a struggle, as you know, and it's a struggle. It's a struggle for all of us as being humans to do that. But um, just being able to figure out each guy and talk to them individually about those things. And that's where, that's where the fun is. You know, I wish that guys, we could just have like a, a little thought bubble on top of everybody's head and I could just see how bad that they think sometimes. And um, fortunately I don't have that either because we're all humans, but. Right. I'm sure a lot of guys like to have that with some females too. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Save a lot of time. (laughs) On both sides. That's right. Save a whole lot of time. But thinking, I mean, thinking is nothing more. Thinking is just talk how you talk to yourself. Absolutely. So, and Cal, Cal used to say, he would come out to the mound and he would say, uh, hey, um, if I talk to you right now, how you're talking to yourself, you probably wouldn't like me very much. And oh, that's, that's a awesome. powerful statement because, you know, and I, and I use it still, you know, still use it because how would you like someone else talking to you the way you're talking to yourself? So just being able to, to again, that's disputing your irrational belief systems is how you're talking to yourself. You know, you have to dispute those things. That's so, so good. And the body, the body just will do exactly what the mind tells it to do. So if we're not giving ourselves proper commands, how can we expect to do um how can we expect expect to perform in the way we want to? 100%. 100%. That's great stuff, man. So um <clears throat> wow, that's 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 great. And so you're ta- you talk about these classroom sessions. Is this something that you do like every like will you have classroom session before each each day or is it weekly uh depending on or maybe just depending on what your guys need at the time is, or is it just depends on for, for us. It just, we, we try to do, um, we try to just figure out what we kind of need as a team at that okay. point in time, specifically for me with the hitters, because I deal with the hitters and, and the defense. So if there's a trend of something I feel like we'll need, it could be just pulling an article and, and sending it to the group, uh, maybe on Google docs, it could be pulling an article or a video and just sending it to one person in their own Google Docs folder. Or it could be just, hey, we need to spend 15 minutes on just a brainstorm session on the field, maybe in the classroom. Just kind of depends on what those guys need. I don't want to do um, weekly, really, because just for us, it, it just just feels like sometimes I don't get as much out of the classroom because maybe I don't personally put enough time into preparing for those classroom things. So we kind of just feel it as we go and what our guys need. So anytime that we sit in front of a whiteboard or a classroom, I really want it to be meaningful to them. I don't want to just do it just to do it. So, and, and that comes down to me maybe spending some more time too and bettering myself to get ready for those things, because I think it's really valuable, but um, a lot of times it could just be a whiteboard 10 minutes before practice. Uh, It could be just a current event. Because if it's a hot topic, you know, it's going to be distracting to practice maybe. And we have a lot of those going on right now, obviously. So, you know, sometimes it's just a little brainstorm or Cal would do social stretching if he felt like, uh, you know, it was going to be not a good practice because guys were talking about things. And social stretching was just 10 minutes of buddy stretching and talk and get it all out of your system. Then it's time to practice. So just kind of feeling what the guys need at the time. And again, just having a great feel, you know, having a great feel and good pulse for your club, you know, to be able to have say something like that. Right. Absolutely. 
That's awesome, man. This is great. This is great stuff. Like, so like, and then you say your pitchers, you know, you say you, uh, so when you talk about your pitchers to kind of creating their own process, creating, their, creating their own kind of releases as your, are your hitters doing those things as well? Do you want to see your hitters have certain processes? Are you kind of encouraging them? Like you first have an encouragement and say, Hey, here's what a good one would look like. Or are you just fully like, all right, let me, let me just see what you got. Yeah. So we, the one thing that sometimes I struggle with is, when we preach the releases and the routines, we don't want them to do it just to do it. And I know sometimes like we have to dive into it because, you know, we're supposed to do it. And it's kind of weird at first for some guys. And, um, you know, sometimes you just got to try it. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I'm glad that I did this because now I need it. That's what we hope for them to get to that point. Um, But definitely like our guys, like certain things that we want them to do is go in and clear the box out. And we teach them what that really means. Like clearing the box means, again, it doesn't matter what happened before us or before that pitch, before that at bat, it's now your box to own, right? So we've heard other people talk about that. Um, So clearing the box with your foot, we love seeing guys do that. Uh, I'll ask guys why they did it and see if they can teach it back to me. Uh, Some guys need it more than others. And I think that if I'd known more about it as a player, maybe I wouldn't have been such a mental midget. <laughs> it would have helped me, and I wish I would have tried it. But I want to introduce it to all our guys and mm-hmm. make it like an information buffet. And what they need, go ahead and grab it, and we'll dive into it and uh, really talk about it more in depth with that individual person. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. Now this is great. This is great stuff. And I was thinking, um, like I was just looking at why you know we've we've we delved already into the, the mental side of things too, like. Do you find, I mean, now that you're, like you said, your recruiting's kind of changed, you know, since you, since you started, since the program started, you Mm -hmm. know, um, do you see a difference with the players maybe that you first have You Do you see a change or a consistency with players that are better that can do some of these things as well? Or. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is as we've getting better players in the program, when we start talking about these, little things like releases and routines, they'll start having a conversation with me about it because they're already thinking about those things or they've already read it somewhere or they're already connected to the podcast and they listen to those things. So they're familiar already. Now, I don't know if it's correlated that the better players are already doing that, or it's just in five years, the technology has gotten so much better. It's easier access for these guys. Cause there's a lot of information out there now that maybe hasn't been out there five years. You're not getting content. You're not trying. That Yeah, that's easy. It's out there. The information is out there for them. So, um, but definitely guys are more interested in it, I think, which mm-hmm. makes it fun because, you know, I love talking about the mechanics of the swing and all those things. But if we're recruiting good players, once we get them here, we really want to focus on how they're thinking and the commands that they're giving to themselves. So, and all that comes down to the mental game and, and, uh, Maybe I love it so much because it's what I really try to read a lot about or, or learn a lot about. It's what I'm interested in. Um, having mechanics and things like that are fun, but uh, we want to get we want to build the car and then get it out on the raceway and and compete with it. And uh, you know, fastest car in the world doesn't matter if you don't have a good driver. And the good driver is how we're thinking and talking to ourselves and giving commands to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's good. That's good. Couldn't agree more. You know, it's starts in the mind as a man thinketh. You know. We, How's how's your experience been through the past five or six years? Do you find more players that are um, more connected to the mental game, or or I mean, it's it's I don't I, I don't know. I think it's tough to tell. I think it's all based on your environment. Um, you know, I mean, guys who are 
you see guys get sped up um, all the time. Um, you know, especially when I would do it in the fall, we would go play our JUCOs and things like that. Guys getting sped up, you know, not taking their time, not taking their breath, you know, not just getting, just not having a routine. You know, I think a lot of these things get pulled down to routines. Um, you know, you, you know, so much of high school is like when you're young and freshman, sophomore, it's like, that's crazy talk. You know, like that's mm-hmm. crazy talk for me to like start thinking or breathing and release routines. And then you get to seniors and started guys who have been playing like a longer or, or, or it's a higher level. They'll get it. And they'll like, yeah. And then, cause now the guys and they come back from college telling you like, yeah, man, like this stuff is, is no joke. Like that's what, that's what all the good players do and things like that. So um, that's, that's more like the progression. It's almost like, you know, your freshman, sophomore, you're like, ah, oh, this is okay. Like I get it, but that's not for me, you know? And then you get to the senior year and it's like, I'm not going to do it any other way. You know, it's yeah. just, that's, it's just like a progression. I mean, so that's just the kind of consistency of it. You'll be fortunate to get a kid, get a younger kid who just kind of keeps himself under control and, and buys in and does those things. But like you said, it's more complacency. It's more like just do it. Cause my coach told me to do it. I don't yeah. really know why or I don't you know I just don't own it you know like it's just it's just owning it you know and then by the right. time you're senior year those kids are owning it you know like um, yeah <clears throat> a guy that you uh, I'm sure the guy that plays shepherd is Joey Schwartz you know and I when you think of clearing the box like that's part of his routine every every pitch like he literally and he's done it since he's been a sophomore in high school so that kid's been doing it for I want to say seven years now because he's probably oh. a senior guy but like I eight years probably still because he's, he's it, like every time it's take a deep breath, take a deep breath. And, and he's, I can, I can see him doing it right foot, left foot gets into the box. And it's, and I mean, I still see him doing it today, you know, in the same, yeah. like, and that just allows him to just stay consistent, you know? And, and uh, what's been great is having guys like that to see that guys can see like he's successful when he does those right. things. And, you know, it allows, he's never too up. He's never too down. You know, he strikes out because he loves to hit the big ball. So he strikes out, you know, he's one of those guys, but he doesn't, you know, it doesn't phase him. He's, he's still the next pitch doing the same thing. Yeah. So he has a rational belief that, you know, he's going to swing and miss because yeah. it's, it's a give and take. And uh, he's not going to get too frustrated because he's always got another swing, you know, he's yeah. always got another at bat. So I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. I like how it's, it's funny. Like how you, I mean, you root, you root all those things into like scientific, you know, like knowledgeable things. And I think that's what, a lot of kids nowadays, and it's, I think that's just our society, you know, it's, it's with hitting, it's with a lot of things. It's like what we're kind of saying our bodies don't, not really doing, you know what I mean? <laughs> and right. I think, sorry, that's but, okay. um, so I think like when you bring in those things, it's like, it automatically is like, all right, I can buy into that coach. Cause coach Mullins, like, it's just, it's, it's scientific. It's there. You know, this is why we're doing it. It's rooted in facts, like yeah. not rooted just because, Hey, I'm the coach. I'm telling you what to do. Like, you know, so I think what you're doing there is really cool because for me, it's always been, I can't say always, but like you just have like Brian, like Brian King, like, Oh, it's good. And then you see, like for me, like, okay, you saw Matt Carpenter, you see Jerry, you see all these really good guys that you watch doing them. Okay. And then, so you just got to do it. But I think what you're doing is like, you're able to bring in that counseling side and and the, the psychology side, like, no, this is rooted in facts. You know, right. so I think for me, because when you first said it, it's kind of like, hey, you know, like it's kind of tough to say and it's kind of tough to teach. But sure. I think what you're doing too, though, 
that's an easy, that's like, a, it's like a solid sell because it's, it's, it's scientific. It's, it's, it's factual. Go look yeah. it up. Go look it up, buddy. Like that's what yeah. you're doing. Here. And it's hard to really, uh, uh, you know, obviously it's really hard to really explain it just in a, in a small time period, but even just daily things, like if a player walk into practice and say, Hey, I was, you know, just at the go-mart and the gas pump didn't work. And then I went in there to tell the guy the pump didn't work and he was kind of rude to me and blah, blah, blah. So now, so I'm like, so now you're mad on the baseball field because of what happened now is does do you have to have everyone always be nice to you all the time for you to have a good day what kind of sense does that make that's irrational so then when we relate that to the baseball side of it and he can just say okay so it's the same thing he was talking about in my everyday life that's happening now it almost gets to the fact where it's kind of funny that we're so angry over this umpire making a bad call and that I have to, I have to have him do everything perfect for me to succeed. So then it all just starts to fit together. Sure. No, that's great, man. It's great stuff, Jimmy. I mean, that's just, that's just awesome. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, do you have them keeping journals? Are they keeping, are they, are you like a journal guy? Like you said, I know you've got things like guys in there, I guess they're guys in their Google drive and stuff like that. You're kind of keeping folders on their stuff. Are they just doing it online or maybe on their phones? Yeah. Uh, So, um, I really love the Google. We did the, we did the journals. Uh, we did every Tuesday night meeting in, in the classrooms probably three or four years ago. And we did the journals. I loved it. Um, but I really like the Google drive stuff because if I see something online, I can immediately just send it to their individual folder or yeah. I can send it to the team. Um, I really enjoy that. And I'm sure there's some other ways that maybe even are easier, but for us and, and for me, it just seems to work well because then I can get really individual with them. So if I talk to someone about, um, something on the field or something off the field. Now I can go back and say, Hey, like I just read an article um, on psychology today or something like that. Boom. I can send it to them. Now mm-hmm. I'm following up with them and they know that I'm sitting at home and I'm thinking about them too. That's another opportunity for, for them to know that I care about them and I'm still thinking about them. So mm-hmm. I really like to Google drive. Um, and so I that's really what like, they're put in. That's what they'll write, like write in what they Sure. So I might, I might send them an article and then uh, they can respond right there and just drop it in their folder. So they can, I might ask for a response or I might not, I might just see them in practice and we'll just talk about Mm -hmm. it one-on-one. But it's a good form of communication for me that I can always be kind of in touch with them in a, in a, in a wide variety of ways. So it could be videos. I send them, it could be an article. I send them Um, could be just a self-evaluation hitters checklist thing. Uh, it could be anything. So nice. just being in constant contact with them about those things. But I do like the journal and I like some of the journals I see coming out to, that are specific for say hitters, you know, how mm-hmm. was my, how was my day? How, how did I come to the field and what was my thought process? What pitches did I hit well? And there's some people putting together some great journals that uh, I would love to get all our guys and, and have them start doing that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like you said, you just got to find out what works for you guys. And right now Google drive, I mean, it's, it's working and um, yeah, you know, just kind of go over there, but, uh, man, that, this is great. This has been great stuff, man. Um, you know, we've, we've dove into a lot of mental side. Is there, um, physical things, you know, like, so like, you know, taking a, taking your next step too, cause you know, number one, your guys need to be talented. They need to be able to step on and compete, you know, and then your tough conference, um, you know, so like what, what big changes are you making physically um, to get your kids ready to take the next step, like in your conference and what your, what your program's trying to do. So this is a great time to talk about some of the other staff members we have here at Glenville. We are very, very blessed with, um, great facilities, which, which is awesome. Uh, we have a dirt field. We have a, a full turf field. We have an indoor facility, multi-million dollar weight room. We have an explosion room, 
brand new training room, but really what makes it special is, is the staff members that we have. Uh, our strength coach, Nolan Harvath, he is a stud when it comes to strength and conditioning. Um, he really tailors things to baseball. We get in there, it's high energy. Um, he supersets everything, but uh, he, he really can get individual with each player and where they're deficient. Um, he's always there for them. Uh, they can come in with him one-on-one. -on -one. They get nutrition plans. They know where they're deficient, how they can get better. Our athletic trainer, Yoshikatsu Abe, um, he is a stud as well on the athletic training side and baseball-specific stuff that he does for us. He does dry needling cupping. He does katsu. Um, he does all kinds of different things. But the biggest thing is posture restoration training that he does, um, especially on with our pitchers. And uh, one thing we're really implementing with him is it's really interesting, but it's balloon breathing. And so we'll do uh, different type of stretches, but we'll learn how to breathe through the balloons. And we're seeing great improvements with some of our guys and, and their movement patterns and um, just stuff that I'm so interested in that he's doing and I'm trying to learn from every day as well. Uh, but it just makes it exciting and fun for our guys and for our coaches to come to the field every day because we have so many resources and people that are that are talented. Mm. That's awesome. So, and I love what uh, who, who, you had someone on here that was talking about just because someone's deficient in a movement doesn't mean that it's a bad thing, which, which that was great. I think that was on one of your podcasts where mm -hmm. he improved someone's movement, right? And then mm -hmm. they got worse. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was Swope. Yeah, that's Matt awesome. Swope from Maryland? Yeah, I think it might have been. Yeah. So, that's interesting because we spent all this time learning how people move and how they should move better. And then we think we uh, figured something out. Then all of a sudden, wow, we just got somebody worse because they moved better. So yep. there's no, there's no answer to anything, you know, so it's always a, an exploration and, and what that individual player needs. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, and, I, and there's why there's so many things that with, especially with like the scissor and stuff that you see hitting wise, you know, it's almost like, you see a lot of that because some guys like, cause like Eller, like, I mean, like my buddy, Tom Eller works for the Orioles. Like he, he never really likes it. Cause he thinks it's just a bad move. Like if typically people are going to scissor because yeah, they are cutting themselves off. They might not be able to rotate. So they have to just to, just to clear, just to clear themselves, you yeah. know? I mean, so he, he's always just trying to clean it up. Like that's, that's just what his philosophy is where slopes, like he'll just see him and say like, all right, well, I'm just going to see this and just, work you like work work with it because that must be how their body needs to move and that to the point of that is like okay then you sometimes do clean them up and you make them worse right you know because oh. that's that could be a thing too but but that's not always the case either you could clean them up and they could do a lot better you know like right. in Eller's case I mean Eller you know he's proven he's a proven guy you know where he cleans them up and they do some damage they do a lot of damage he is he's <laughs> awesome he is, he is awesome so um and he, you know, he's learning oriented too. He's continuing to learn all the time, oh, but yeah. it's interesting how, um, it's interesting how people can direct people to move in different ways and still be successful. So that brings the question is, are we as coaches really as important as we think we are, you know, so we get our players in, in good positions to succeed and figure out what they do well and, and get them out of their way and get ourselves out of their way. So you know, talking about the scissor and things like that, how many times I wonder in, in, in my past have I tried to tell somebody not to do it and probably hurt them or, or, uh, or, or tell them not to strike, you know, strike closed. 
Yeah. You know, you see guys stride close right away. That's a, that's almost a tell. You know, like right. you see a guy stride close on the mound. You know, you're telling him to get on the line, straight line. You know, get on. You know, and that guy. That's how a guy stretches a little bit. That's how he's getting a little bit of stretch. You know, like, and I know that little stretch feeling because I remember like my coach, like you know, they like wanted you to kind of keep the bat and at a certain angle, just go straight to it. You know, like for me that there was no stretch. Like I had nothing. Like I felt like I had no whip, no yeah. whip. I just started it here. Like I just couldn't do it. Right, you know, because that's not how my body works. Some guys can do it. I just, I can't get any whip out of that. And that um, comes back to kind of the commands you give yourself, like you know, taking the knob to the ball helps a lot of people. But but for yeah. me, literally, I would take try to take the knob to the ball and just get sawed off. Mm-hmm. You know, so mechanically, how much mechanics? You know, talking to someone really comes down to what commands are they giving themselves, or what are you trying to do? So a lot of times when hitters first come. Uh, into our program it's a lot of just observing them and then asking them questions like what were you really trying to do there because were you trying to not get beat or were you trying to stay inside the ball you know so there's the same swing could be two different commands that you're giving yourself so I'm really just trying to figure out what they're trying to do and what their what their intent was and then we can try to build off of that so you know the the mechanical side of it and and the mental side of it I think go hand in hand where sometimes you know we can separate it and uh i think it really just goes hand in hand mm-hmm. oh for sure man not oh, for sure yeah i see a lot of things like um you know just just sticking with like a lot of your stuff like you've been doing you know developmentally i was i've been i love all your I mean, it's, it's just with competition but it's almost like even with on the defensive side i know you do a lot of defensive work um you know and there's been a lot of things a lot of content out there for for infield stuff um what are some of the things that you really like? Cause you, I think you've div- you seem to like change and you kind of dove into some really cool infield stuff here recently, man. What's, what's going on with you uh, in the defensive side of things? Yeah. So same thing um, defensively, just, I love all the content that's out, like you said, and there's a yeah. lot of different things and there's a lot of good infield coaches and outfield coaches, but um, again, trying to develop some kind of competition within the practice. So if we can start, just by working on one specific skill for somebody. So maybe just working balls in the one hand lane. And that's another thing is we'll have two short stops and the same ball, like one of them has to go two handed and one of them has to go one handed. Now it's for me to stay out of their way. So if I know this guy needs to go in a one hand lane, cause it's better for him, we're going to set up that drill work and those daily works just for that. Um, now some guys maybe in another lane, they're a little bit deficient. So, and they need to work on those things. And we'll set that up in the daily routine. But then once we get to practice and we keep points on it, we're going to try to score you um, based on what you were doing in your daily work. So, you know, points may not count if you're going one hand, you have to go all two hands to get points or you have to go all backhands to get points. So now we've created competition and made you do something that's a little bit uncomfortable, but that's going to add that extra pressure for you to try to go ahead and work on that. And then hopefully by game time, once it's all polished up, you know, obviously it'll just happen, you know, by nature, but uh, it's things that you can add points, time, anything scores. So when you're saying points, that's just basically they, they made a, they made a good, they made a good rep. Like when your fun goes or BP, whenever you're kind of. Sure. Yeah. So, so if a guy's working on just coming, um, coming in towards the ball in, in their center lane, as we call it, and they go one handed, then they get a point. So maybe the goal for that individual player that day is 25 points or they have to wear pants in the weight room and wearing pants in the weight room is obviously not the end of the world, but it's a little bit inconvenient. 
right? Sure. So, no, like, cool. no, like, man, I got to get to 25 points today in live reps, not just on fungo. So, off of batting practice, balls hit to me. I got to go one hand. I got to go one hand coming in off my left foot. Bang, get it. That's a point. Now I got to get 24 more of these bad boys. So, not only are they working on that, but now, okay, this guy that's hitting now, he's a dead pull guy, hits a lot of balls in the hole. If mm-hmm. I'm going to go one hand lane, I'm going to have to shift a little bit. So now I'm going to play where I think the hitters are going to hit it. So now a lot of different things have just been put into this simple task of trying to get 25 points. So you're and that's getting, just one. That's just one thing. You'll give each of your guys like a like a like a gold. Is that during BP time? Yeah. Or, okay. A daily task, and it's usually usually during BP time if it's defensively. And then we also have, uh, we also have a gold Jersey that we give out. So if somebody makes a web gym, they get the gold Jersey and uh, it's kind of cool because somebody will make a diving play maybe and everybody will start hollering gold Jersey. And um, so then we got to pass the Jersey along a little bit different now with, with COVID, but uh, we'll holler, (laughs) we'll holler gold Jersey and we'll just pretend that they have it. But uh, just be in a case, carrying the case. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's right. We hang it up on the, uh, we just hang, hang it on the dugout rail and, you know, and say, Hey, that's yours now. Right. 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 (laughs) But again, it's just, it's just creating some competition and sometimes the competition is just with yourself and, you know, because we all want to, we all want to make the plays defensively that we're comfortable with in the way that we want to make it. But if we're going to improve, sometimes we got to do some things that we're deficient at, if it's something we feel like that they need to improve on. So, if we create a point system for them to do it, now they're going to desire to try to do it. Oh, that's great. That's great. Within within those individual skills, I know you had, you had mentioned about the individual work, and is that something that you say, hey, I think we need to incorporate these drills into yours. So are you saying basically you all your individual work is still totally individual? Or is there like a set, like three three drills that everybody does that you feel like foundational? Yeah, definitely the foundation of obviously the two knees and, you know, rolling balls back and forth, um, short hops, long hops, top shelf stuff. Whether it's a, a press through or receive, then we start to get a little bit individual. But you know, just on that specific topic, those are things we're going to work on doing both. And then, because we want all our guys to be able to press through the same ball and also receive the same ball, because the game gets sloppy and it's never going to be perfect. So, sure, you know, we want to be able to work on those things. But the the two knee drills, um, the two feet drills, um, and then our throwing program, we want to pretty much do the same thing. So just uh, you know doing rhythm toss, uh, doing speed toss, doing things off of one foot. Um, we want to kind of do those things every day when we can. Um, and then once we move on from that, then we can get a little more individual. And it may just be like, hey, look, today on all of our fungos and all of our BP, like we want you to backhand everything. And we want you to backhand everything with momentum coming towards your target. And that's just what I want you to focus on for two days. So definitely – pretty much the daily drills that I'm sure that mostly everybody's doing like uh, stuff that Kai Korea puts out and things like that. We're going to do those things. I mean, can't go wrong with those and those are, those are great. So, um, and basically a lot of times we'll just take their, his videos and send it to the guys and say, Hey, this is our baseline stuff because it's great stuff. Mm-hmm. It is. It's amazing. That's amazing. It's amazing stuff, you know? Oh man, this has been great. So I'm asking this with all that great, you, know, you have great training staff and there's great way. Are you, um do you screen a lot of guys too like will you assess them like with their movements and things like that are you guys getting into any of those kind of things too yeah our uh, athletic trainer uh, yoshi that i spoke about yeah. he does he does uh, the movement screens and uh, he's 
he's one of the most learning oriented people that I've ever been around. I mean, Mm -hmm. just based, I mean, you know, just not to talk about salaries, but the guy doesn't make a million dollars a year. Okay. And Mm -hmm. he spent, he spends paychecks and paychecks traveling around the country. Uh, He went to the Arizona Diamondbacks facility to do the posture restoration training. He gets certified. He travels all around. He's into vision. He's into vision training now. And he's got a little kit that he gives us and, he'll set up as a station in the indoor, just a bunch of vision stuff. And I just let, I let him go and I let him do it because it's all great stuff. But uh, the functional movement screens um, as he's learned about those and and implemented those basically with our pitching staff, um, you know, we've scored them. And then he works very well with our uh, weight training staff as well, Nolan. And uh, they just kind of put their minds together and figure out what a good plan is for that, that person. But again, I'm, I'm, I'm a mind blown by the, just because a movement is deficient doesn't mean it has to be improved upon, man. I love that. So like, that's my new like note that I took that I'm just trying to go learn as much as I can about that. And really what's the answer? I mean, the only answer is trial and error that I can think of um, with that. So generally we want to improve our movements, but what movements do we disregard that don't need to be improved? I mean, Uh almost like a question we can't answer, but that podcast. It's it's tough because you, you just kind of never know what the end route was there, you know, like it, it's all depending on if the guy's successful, do you let him be, um, you know, it, it is, it's very tough. It's yeah. a very tough thing for sure. But from the pitcher standpoint, I, I would assume that mostly, you know, he, he has five or six basic just movement screens that he does and it gives us a baseline of where we're at. Um, and I'm sure most of the programs that are doing screens are doing the same, same things, but uh you know, it gives our pitchers too just a, a, a point to where they can start and see improvement. So, and I think that's 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 great. And then some of the stuff he does with the balloon breathing, once he sees that they're that they're deficient in a movement, um, or you know the way the body moves, he does this balloon breathing and just seeing guys improve on that and just fires them up. Man, I love it. Mm, great stuff, man. Well, Jimmy, I mean, this, I mean, this has been great, buddy. Um, and it literally is like the balloon breathing and stuff like that. That is so, um, and is that, a, you said this, is that a postural thing or is yeah. they really just focusing on the breathing? Does it help them with like the other, like the routine and things like that, that you've been talking about? Are you, is it, is it, are you able to incorporate some of those things? Yeah. So the cool part is when you first start doing it, like for instance, uh, throwing batting practice, my, my right hip was always hurting for some reason. And I went to him and and he gave me a little measurement and he said, here's why one of my hips were further forward than the other. So we started with the balloon breathing and I said, okay, I love this. I want to learn, learn about this. So if our players are going to do it, I want to do it. And the first step was learning how to breathe properly. So obviously in through the nose, out through the mouth, but learning how to breathe through um, your belly and not your chest. So the chest breathing versus belly breathing, uh, you know, of course, like the Brian Keene talks about. So then it related right there. So if our guys are breathing really well in the balloons, now it's something that they can relate to once they get on the field. So now it's just like, Hey, when you do your belly breaths, you're going to simulate just like you're doing the balloon breathing. But what they do from there is they'll go from just basic breathing into the balloon to maybe sitting on a training table uh, with two feet on on the wall and Mm -hmm. knees at a 90 degree angle, and then having a, a plyo ball in between your knees. So then that's just the start and maybe one hand will just be up in the air and then you're breathing through the balloon slow, holding it, and then releasing it. And through time, my my hip actually, my hips leveled back out, and I have no problems throwing batting practice now, zero problems. And it took probably a week and a half, and I was good. 
and I wow. saw improvements that fast. So once I saw improvements myself and I could see the measurements were better, I was, I mean, I was a believer right then. Mm-hmm. So, um, and he, we have one, one picture here from, he's from Baltimore, Maryland, and he connected with Yoshi all summer. And uh, once he mastered two or three of the, of the balloon breathing exercises, he was able to do two or three more and then two or three more and keep progressing. And as body improved he kept being able to do more and more and so his daily routine he gets to the field is he's he's got the balloons and uh he's breathing and that's before his dynamic warm-up and and he loves it and it's helping him so it's really interesting because we have a lot of learning oriented people here and and uh the information is here for him oh man that's really cool man so let's say somebody wants to get dive in more to that maybe contact you about some of the things i mean we, we kind of dove into a lot and it was really cool um what's the best way to contact you bud so um, my email is james.mullins at glenville.edu. And then, uh, of course, on Twitter, it's uh, jmullins85. And uh, love connecting with people on Twitter. Twitter's a great resource. And uh, so those two ways. And, and my cell phone is 304-549-2952. Call or text. I live out in the country, so my, my calls sometimes are don't work. But uh, iMessage shoots through all the time. So. Would love to connect with anyone that wants to talk about those things and love doing it. Nah, this is great, man. It's been a lot of, a lot of help. And again, I wish you all the best, man, too, with everything going on. Can't thank you for the time, man. It was awesome. Really yeah, thank it. you so much. I really enjoyed listening to your other podcasts and uh, really enjoy the information. You're doing a great job with it. And, yeah, thanks, uh, man. Big thanks, Coach Mullins from Glenville State College. Provided some great, valuable information, tangible things you can use to take in to show to create more competition. Think more of the reasons why, and the reasons why that the mental game and why we're doing certain things mentally. As you can hear, some of the vocabulary and things that he used through his talk. Um, you know, how he's trying to get his players as much individual needs as they can, but still having a foundation for their program. Again, they're just a eight-year program. Uh, as he continues to move forward, as they continue to get better players, they continue to get better players and get better. Uh, he continues to try and dive into more of a individual approach, of what each kid needs, and I think we're seeing that we're, we're I'm, I'm seeing a lot of that just through the podcast, and you're hearing it as a reoccurring theme through certain things. Um, guys have foundational things that they feel like people need, but at the same time, they're very aware, very aware of what each individual needs, and trying to give them the best they can. That's going to help them succeed, and uh, you know, just can't thank Coach. Coach Mullins enough. It was great talking to him. We had a great conversation. I was really surprised uh, how much great um, mental stuff that we went through right from the get-go. We both have a passion. You can see we both have a passion for that and something that um, I can relate to. And, and um, you know, just a curious guy. He's probably the guy that I have uh, got the most questions from as a coming back to me, asking me what I would do, which isn't the most comfortable thing. Because uh, it's certainly not about me and what I'm trying to do, but uh, it was fun. It was a 
very interesting conversation and um, really enjoyed it, you know, and I'm, and I'm sure uh, those people who want to take away will, will take some things away and, uh, and if there's other things that you'd like, like to share, any other feedback, please go ahead and share, let me know. Email me. And if you didn't get Coach Mullen's email, I'd, I'm sure he'd love to reach out to you and touch base with you. Again, big shout-out to Coach James Mullen, Jimmy Mullen, and um, read, email him, james.mullins at glenville.edu. Mullins is M-U-L-L-I-N-S, M-U-L-L-I-N-S at glenville, G-L-E-N-V-I-L-L-E. Okay, james.mullins at glenville.edu. Twitter at jmullins85. He puts out some good stuff, his competition stuff that he'll do with his guys as well as you'll see his facilities. Um, and text him, call him, and I'm sure he'd be uh, interested to talk some baseball with you. So, again, Coach Mullins, I want to appreciate your time, consideration for the podcast, and delivering information that's going to help other guys. And, Until next time, I hope you guys continue to get better. See you next time.